Thank you very much, and hello everyone. This is uh, Preacher Bill Gilliland at First Christian Church right here in Covington. It's a joy for us to be able to reach out to you on this Lord's Day with the glorious good news of Jesus. And you know around Christmas time it is good news. It's always good news, but it's especially good news because we have the opportunity to go back into Scripture, to go back into the past and remember what God did for us. He gave us the first and the greatest of all Christmas gifts when he gave us Jesus. Came to this world, was made flesh, lived among us, died on the cross, rose from the dead, went back into heaven where he is now making intercession uh, for us when we pray. He is our mediator, our go-between. He pleads our case. And I'm so glad that uh, you could be with us today uh, as we look into God's Word, and of course, hopefully, we are all getting ourselves, our hearts, and our lives ready for a Christ-filled Christmas. It's been a long year. It's certainly uh, been a struggle in many areas, especially uh, for some families, for those who have battled the virus. Um, I have written my yearly poem, uh, this year, and I entitled it a 2020 Pandemic Christmas, and I'd like to take the first couple of minutes this morning and just share that poem with you. And here is what we've said. The days of 2020 have pierced our world with fear. We tire of rules and warnings and long for yesteryear. In the midst of wild pandemic, we ask with much chagrin, how can we do this Christmas the way it's always been? Perhaps the Lord is leading us to take an inward look, to understand his wishes, to search his holy book, to see his plan for Christmas and the cure contained within. Jesus came into the world to stop the spread of sin. This world is filled with hatred, addictions, and disease. And all these hurdles that we face have brought us to our knees. There's something so much deeper that God would have us glean than just short-term solutions like a COVID flu vaccine. If you are feeling tired and lone as Christmas comes in view, review the scene in Bethlehem, Luke's Gospel, Chapter 2. The town was full of David's kin, but still there was no place. For Joseph, Mary, or her babe, God's precious gift of grace. So keep in mind the message that the angels did impart. Good news and joyful tidings and peace for every heart. You may think you are forsaken, but friend, don't be naive. God's dearest Christmas blessing comes to all who will receive. And that's very true. The Lord is ready to enter into our lives, and he will help us to have a Christ-filled Christmas. And that's what I'd like to uh, share with you today for just a few minutes, how to have a Christ-filled Christmas. The other day while I was in a store picking up some things, I was talking with someone, and this lady mentioned the approaching Christmas holiday, and she said, after the year we've been through with all this COVID-19 pandemic and the riots, we certainly need a good Christmas. 
Of course, I agreed with her. I believe we do need a good Christmas. And I realized what she meant. But you know, in reality, a Christ-filled Christmas is not dependent upon good circumstances or costly gifts or even family gatherings. And that's what we really want and desire. It's a Christ-filled Christmas. How can we have that? I'm going to take us to Philippians chapter 2, where Paul writes to the early Christians there in Philippi, and I've always felt that this was one of the most Christmas of all Christmas passages. And we're going to look very briefly at the first 15 verses as we go through this. But I believe we see here three ways that we can have a Christ-filled Christmas. And the first way we can do that is in the first five verses of Philippians chapter 2. We can adopt Christ's mindset. We need the mindset of Christ. Take a look at those first five verses where Paul writes and says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the mind, the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now let's consider this idea. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And the main subject that he's talking about here is humility. Now, this idea of mindset is very important for us as Christians. The Greek word there is phroneo, and it means to exercise the mind. It means to entertain or to have a sentiment or an opinion. In, in the earlier verses, he said, be like-minded, which often is translated same-souled. You know, the only way that we're going to be able to have the same mind as people here on earth is if we adopt the mind of Christ. You see, mindsets don't just happen. We choose them. And what the Apostle Paul is challenging us to do here is to work in Christ's mindset. You know, Jesus lived his earthly life with a not-my-will-but-yours attitude. You remember as he prayed in Gethsemane at the end of his life, he said, Father, if it's possible for this cup to pass me, please let it happen, but not as I will, but as you will. But that had been his attitude during his entire earthly existence, during his ministry, and then as he approached death, it was the same attitude. I want to accomplish your will. And he, he, did, he did that through being filled with humility. Uh, he came into the world through the servant door. Uh, I read the illustration 
that uh, you know if you if you go to the White House uh, as a guest, they're going to invite you to come in through the front door, and there it's just plush, plush carpet, plush furniture, everything perfect and in place. But as the story goes, uh, years ago, there was construction going on in the White House, and uh, they put a sign at the front door and says, uh, please use the servant entrance. Of course, you wouldn't be allowed to use that sign anymore. But years ago, they had servants that took care of the White House and did the cleaning and did the upgrading and made sure everything was spotless and clean. And they put the sign out and said, please come in through the servant door. Well, dear friend, that's how Jesus came into this world. He came as a servant. He humbled himself. Uh, we're going to read verses 5 through 11 because this is one of the most precious passages in all of the scriptures. This is, this is the Christmas story, dear friend, starting with verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage, Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What a beautiful passage. You see, Jesus was willing to empty himself, humble himself, take upon himself the form of human likeness, and then to be a servant to the extent of dying on the cross as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. If we want to have a good Christmas, then it needs to be a Christ-filled Christmas, and to do that, we have to adopt Christ's mindset. We need to pray, Lord, help me to think like Jesus. Help me to ask in every consideration of life, what would Jesus do? And you'll remember that was a popular phrase for years, and whoever came up with that little WWJD bracelet made a fortune. But it was great. What would Jesus do? Uh, how would Jesus react to this situation or this circumstance? You see, Paul urges us here to see our relationships as opportunities just like Jesus did. Am I willing to adopt Christ's mindset? Now, let's move on. Uh, the second thing that we need to do is, is to allow God to work his purpose uh, through us. Uh, look at verses 12 and 13. He says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, 
Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according or to fulfill his good purpose. Um, I need to allow God to work his purpose through me. You see, once we've worked in Christ's mindset, then we can work out God's pleasure or purpose in our lives. The Greek word here that's translated purpose is eudikeo, and it really means to think well, to have satisfaction, to have delight, to have purpose. This is the same word that's used over in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17. When Jesus is baptized in the Jordan by his cousin John the Baptist, and you remember a a spirit came and and uh, sat upon Jesus, and the voice of the heavenly Father came and said, "This is my Son, with whom I am delighted." This is the word, with whom I am satisfied or well pleased. In Luke chapter twelve and verse thirty-two, Jesus was talking to his disciples and said, "The Father is pleased to give you the kingdom, little children." Uh, it is his pleasure, in other words, to give you the kingdom. So what we see here is the working out process. Now, the working out process involves obedience. Take a look at verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Of course, what we want to do is please God. And if we, if we work out our salvation, if, if we use this working out process, uh, for example, we combine the mindset that we want to think and, and act like Jesus. We combine that mindset with, with whatever spiritual gifts or talents that the Lord has given us, and we start applying that mindset with those gifts and those talents, and this is working out our salvation. Of course, it's not coming up with the salvation that we want. It's taking the salvation that he's already given us and applying it to our lives. And then in verse 13, Paul says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Um, this, this is so important. Uh, the working out process, to will, uh, the, one of the older versions says, to will and to do his good pleasure. That should be our desire. You see, it's not so much us running our own lives. It's allowing God to work his purpose and his pleasure through us. Let me ask you this morning, is it your desire to please God with everything you do in life, this is one way that we can have a Christ-filled Christmas, is to know that we are doing what God has in mind for us to do. Now, the final thing we need to do is, is to aspire to be God-light in a dark world. And we're going to go to verses 14 through the first part of verse 16. Here, the Apostle Paul says, 
do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Paul says, do everything without grumbling and arguing. This is so important for us to see. You know, we live in a uh, warped and a crooked generation. Paul, Paul uses those words. Uh, you know, that's the way it was in the generation he knew in that first generation. And every generation since has been warped and crooked because so many people don't know the Lord and don't have any desire to do his will or accomplish his purpose or to please him with their lives. And what the Apostle Paul says here is that if, if we don't argue and if we don't complain and, 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 and if we don't grumble, then people are going to notice. The world is going to notice. I remember reading the story about a lady who entered a store. And uh, as soon as she entered, she was greeted uh, by the manager who placed a $100 bill in her hand and told her that she was the one millionth customer to come through the doors. And uh, it was just a grand time. They congratulated her. And then she was interviewed by a TV reporter. And during the interview, the TV reporter asked her why she had come to the store that day. And kind of embarrassed, she said, actually, I, I was going to the complaint department. You know, we, we live in a world, we live in a generation that loves to go to the complaint department. I've heard many people say that during this struggling year that we've had, 2020, they had never heard so much complaining and discord and arguing and hatred and bickering, and separation and division. And it's true. And I think our fears and our anxiety about COVID and, and, and the suffering and the death that, that we have been facing, friends, loved ones, neighbors, other, other Christian friends. And yet the Apostle Paul writes and says, if, if we want to make a difference in the world we're living in, in this corrupt, this generation that's so full of sin, warped and crooked. If we want to make a dent in that, we've got to live differently. And I want to urge you, uh, during the rest of this Christmas season and into 2021, to shine like stars in the sky. And that's what he talks about here uh, in, in verse 15. He says, Then you will shine among them, this crooked generation, like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. We need to shine like stars. We need to be different. We need to live our lives in such a way that the world will look at us and say, I want that. I want to be, what, I want to be what, like you are. I want to have whatever it is that you have that's making you different. Well, Jesus said that in the Sermon on the Mount. Remember in Matthew 5, he said, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? And then he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under the bowl. 
Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father that is in heaven. That's our challenge, to be the light of the world in this warped and crooked generation, we have to pose ourselves as something different, as, as the ones who have the answer for all this. Uh, you know, the fulfillment that we have this Christmas won't be measured by the amount of money that we spend on gifts, but rather it'll be measured by the amount of love that we spread and the efforts we make to bless others. Your wallet may be empty this year, but if your heart is full, that's what the Lord's looking for. And going back to the first couple of verses of this Philippians chapter 2 passage, and he uses that powerful word, if, if you have any encouragement, well, then be a Christian. If, if you've received encouragement from Christ, then give it to someone else. Uh, if you have comfort from Christ, from his love, Paul says. Be like-minded, in other words, then offer it to someone else who is hurting. And uh, we, we remember that in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul talks about this, that the encouragement and the comfort that Christ has given him, he's given to others. And, and that's the Christian life. That's the process. If you have received tenderness and compassion from the Lord, then share it with those around you who are down and out, who are depressed and deserted and despondent. Reach out to the least of these brothers and sisters and know that you've done it for Christ. Uh, you know, uh, dear friend, you can't have a Christ-filled Christmas if you don't have Christ in your heart. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord? Do you know the joy uh, the fulfillment, the hope that only Christ can bring into your life. I want to wish every person that's listening to this broadcast today a, a Christ-filled Christmas. But, my friend, if you're not a Christian, then you can't have a Christ-filled Christmas. So it's my prayer today that you would turn to the Lord and give the Lord your heart and your life. And then, you can be a blessing to others around you. Thank you for sharing with us today. I'd like for us to have a word of prayer, then we're going to have a Christmas Christian song. And the Lord bless you. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the opportunity that we have to think spiritual things and to read spiritual verses and, and then to just preach the gospel. Uh, Lord, we, we want more than anything for our Christmas to be filled up with Christ. I pray uh, for the one this morning that might be listening that's not a Christian, that doesn't know Jesus as Savior and Lord, that that will happen. May they turn that page, Lord, and realize and fulfill the opportunity that they have. And then, Lord, for all the Christians uh, uh, that are listening, I just pray that we might be able to uh, adopt the mindset of Jesus Help us to think like him and to talk like him and to act like him. Help us, Lord, to allow you to work your purpose through us. 
And then would you make us godlights in a world that's crooked and sinful? Help us to be your people and to act and to speak the way you want us to. Thank you for Jesus, for sending him into the world. Help us to spread his good news. We pray in his name. Amen. I heard the bells on Christmas Day Their old familiar carols play And loud and sweet their songs repeat Peace on earth, goodwill to man And the bells are ringing Oh,